Hey, thanks so much for joining me today. Let's acknowledge Jesus. Jesus, we thank you and praise you that you want to teach us, that you want to tell us things to come, and even warn us of things ahead. And we just receive from you today whatever you have to tell us. We receive it. We give you all the glory. Give you all the glory, Jesus. So God does want to tell us things to come, and he wants to teach us. He's, he's actually warning us today. And he is saying he is going to do what he said he's going to do. Although we don't act like it, he is going to do what he said he's going to do. And he wants to make that clear to us. In fact, in 2 Peter 3, it says, To begin with, you must know and understand that scoffers will come in the last day. And they're going to say, where is the promise? They're going to say, where is the promise of his coming? Since the forefathers fell asleep, all things are the same. And actually in verse 3, I didn't finish reading it, scoffers, the people who walk after their own fleshly desires. And so God is saying that we are mocking him. A scoffer is a mocker. And we are mocking him not only by saying, oh, he's not coming yet. And maybe you're not the one who is saying that he's not coming yet, but maybe you are saying that by how you live. Are you living like he's coming soon? He's telling us over and over again to get ready that he's coming. He said it in his word over and over again that he's coming. But do we live that way or do we live after our flesh? Are we living the way he's called us to live? Do we believe? You know, you can't believe some of the word and not believe all of the word. If you believe what Jesus said, then you will believe that he could show up tomorrow. He said it'll be when we don't realize it, when we're not looking. And we're not looking. (laughs) That's the scary part. And so what he's saying is we are mocking him by how we live. We're calling ourselves Christians, but really, are we like the Pharisees because we're not acting like he's coming? Are we even like the Antichrist? Are we opposed to him by how we live? It's not just what comes out of your mouth, although Jesus said what comes out of your mouth will manifest. What's in your heart will manifest. Jesus said that. And so if it's in our heart to live, to provide for ourselves, to live, to, to give to the, desires, to the desires of our flesh, then we're not living for his return. If we were living for his return, if you were living for his return, if right now, today, you decided, all right, um, I believe Jesus is coming. What if you just also decided, I'm going to believe Jesus is coming and he may be here sooner than I think. So I need to get ready. You know, the word of God says that he has made himself known to everyone. He has. And so you know in your heart, like if he called you to do, and he's called us all. He said, if you believe, go into all the world. If you believe, do the greater works. If you believe, lay hands on the sick. Did he mean what he said? He did. And so we are all called. And if you knew he was coming, like the date and next week and all the things that you had to do, would you just quick change and do it? Or would you still be scoffing? 
Some will still scoff because they won't believe it. And that's what he's saying. I've told this message to countless people, person after person after person. And one, one lady said to me, oh, I thought he was coming in 1980. Another person said to me, oh, yeah, I've heard that before. And that's exactly what's being talked about right here. Where's the promise of the coming? It's not about where is it. It's about do you believe it? Are you acting in faith of it? Do you believe that by his stripes you were healed? Do you believe that Jesus is living on the inside of you? Do you believe you're to forgive? It's all the same thing. It's by faith. By faith, you have to believe that he could just be here tomorrow and that you need to be prepared. The kingdom of God is taken by force. It's not just going to fall on you, just like your healing is not going to fall on you, just like everything else isn't going to fall on you, right? Whatever you're believing God for, you have to get faith for it. Faith is a substance. It's the thing that you need to make it happen. So anything else that um, you have to get faith for in the Word of God is the same as having faith that He's coming. And I had an audible word from him, um, I would say. It's going on like six weeks ago now, maybe, maybe even longer. And he said he's frustrated. He said it's a great hour of testing is at hand. He's frustrated and to obey him. And in listening to him every day, he is. He's frustrated. And I can see that as he sends me out, says talk to this person, talk to that person, talk to this person, how frustrated he is because we're not preparing for his return. One person said, oh, I'm busy right now playing with my drone. Um, You know, I'm busy. I'm doing this. Isn't that like um, not believing that he's coming and not getting ready when you don't even have time to talk about it with someone for a few minutes? We're too busy. We're too busy and we don't understand. We're oblivious to the fact that he's coming and we're not ready. And to answer the question, why isn't he here yet? Why isn't he coming? He's being mocked because he's not here. Oh, yeah, heard he was coming. Oh, yeah, I'm a Christian. Well, are you getting ready for Jesus' return? No, I got lots of time. Oh, yeah, I was called. Well, are you doing what he's, he's called you to do? No, I think I have time or I'm going to wait till I, I'm retired. Um, the five virgins, the five foolish virgins. What did he say to them? They weren't ready, right? They weren't ready. And they had a quick go get ready, which you can't get ready at the last minute. If you're supposed to have a ministry or you're supposed to um, worship, be a worship leader and you need to learn guitar and the piano quick, how are you going to do that at the last minute? You can't. You can't. We need to be preparing now for his return. But anyway, what did he say to the five virgins? He said, I'm not acquainted with you. Do you think he's really going to say that if you're late in doing what you're to do? He is. He's really going to say that. He's not a liar. What he said in his word, he's going to do. Do you think he's going to say, away from me, I never knew you, you who practice lawlessness? Matthew 7, 21 through 23. He said, many on that day are going to say, Lord, Lord, we did this in your name. We did that in your name. So apparently they thought they were right with him. He's going to say, I didn't know you. 
you who practice lawlessness. So if he asked you to have a ministry or to go into all the world or to forgive or all the things that he has said, um, and you just didn't do one of them, you break one law, you break all the law, according to James, do you think he's going to say, away from me, I never knew you, you who practice lawlessness? He is. He wants me to tell you he is going to do what he said he would do. He said, um, when things don't happen, I don't know exactly how it goes, but um, the man is a liar, but he's not. He does everything he said he's going to do. He said he was going to cause a flood, and he caused a flood. He said for Noah, Noah to build an ark, and Noah built an ark, and he believed God, and he was on the ark, and he was saved. And he's saying, I'm coming. The earth is going to burn. Get ready. Do this, do that. Forgive, love, care about what I care about. What does he care about? Do you know what he cares about? And where am I getting care about what I care about? Love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your mind. That's caring about what he cares about, right? If you love him with all your heart, all your soul, and all your mind, then you're going to care what you're going to care about what he cares about. You're going to know what hurts him. You're going to know what he's thinking. You're going to know what's on his mind. And what, what's on his mind is souls. It's not his one. It's not his will. That one should perish. That's why he's not here yet. Because he's trying to wake you up to tell you, I'm coming and you're not ready. You're mocking me. You call yourself a Christian, yet you don't act like you are one. Because if you acted like you were one, you'd be preparing for my return. Right? As Christians, we should be saying, I'm doing his work. I'm getting ready. He's coming. Jesus is coming. And yeah, you're going to get weird looks and, and people are going to roll their eyes at you. But when you live that life and they start seeing that truth in you, we're supposed to be like an attraction. But as we're mocking God, as we're not living it, we're saying, oh, I'm a Christian. Oh, yeah. Um, you know, what's different about you? What are you doing different than I am? I'm getting ready for Jesus. He's coming. Can I tell you about him? Have you heard of him? <laughs> We're not doing that. We're blending in. If, if you're a Christian, should you be shy about your faith? Is that going into all the world? Or should we be bold? Did Jesus say to do the greater work? Did he mean what he said? Did he say whoever believes? He said whoever believes. That means if you believe, it's your part to go into all the world, to lay hands on the sick, cast out demons, to believe that you have his power and authority on the inside of you to do that, to stop putting up with stuff, to make a big to-do out of everything like he did. That's what he's calling us to do, but we're not. We're just like doormats. Just let the world walk all over us, and we don't do anything about it. Jesus didn't do that. He went out and did good. He went around doing good, healing all who were harassed and oppressed by the enemy. And I'm talking about the enemy. He just walks over us left and right, left and right, left and right. And we just let him, when, as if he has power and authority over us, because we don't know it, that's how he acts. He's going to take what he can get, but we have power and authority over him. And we need to be casting out demons. We need to be telling the enemy what to do instead of letting him control our lives. 
And so God is saying that we are mocking him. We don't believe him. We're belittling him. We're cheering him. When we say, well, where's the promise? And people that are saying that actually with their mouths, it seems so apparent, doesn't it? Like, oh my gosh, they don't believe. They're terrible. Why are they saying that? Yet, if we're not living it out, then we're not doing it either. And if we would all start doing it and encouraging each other to get ready that he's coming, then it, it, it would be so much more apparent that it's, the, it's a part of everything else. You can't separate Jesus in the pieces. If you believe one thing, you believe all. I have a friend, and I was telling her what Jesus told me, that I was to go tell everybody, he's coming. He's coming. And I heard him audibly say it. The first thing he said is the hour of Jesus is at hand. And then I heard the Holy Spirit say, what does that mean, Lord? And then he said, "Um, the hour of testing is at hand. And then he reminded me, stop what I was saying for a minute and just say, he reminded me of the dividing that's going on. And I dug back in my videos because he was talking about he's dividing the believers from the unbelievers. If you're a mocker, by the way, you're not a believer. If you're mocking him, you're like the Pharisees when Jesus was here, right? I'm the son of God. They laughed at him. They didn't believe him. They didn't, and they didn't act like they did, and then they killed him. And what are we doing? The same thing. We're crucifying him all over again by not believing him by not receiving from him. So anyway, he said, a great hour of testing is at hand. And then two days later, I heard audibly again, a great hour of testing is at hand. Well, the first time it was an hour of testing at hand. The second time, I don't think I woke up enough. He had it tell me again. A great hour of testing is at hand. And it was bold. And it was, it was as if he was angry. And then two seconds later, he said, I'm frustrated. Obey me. You know what he was saying? He's saying, I love you guys, and you're not listening. Have an ear to hear. I'm coming. You're not ready. You're not getting ready. You're acting as if you're oblivious to the the word of God. We're not getting ready. We're, We're working to make a living. When he said, go do my work, And when you do my kingdom, when you do my way of doing, I'm going to add to you. You know, if we're working, we're going after God's and we're saying we don't believe God's going to take care of us. If he's calling you to go do great things, then go do great things and he's going to take care of you. And he's calling you to do great things. He's calling us to do the greater work. And we're not doing them because we're worried about what we're going to eat, what we're going to drink and what we're going to wear. What is that person going to think? If I do that, what's so-and-so going to think if I do that? How can I do that? What, what is that person going to think? Those are all gods, right? Because you're wanting, you're, wanting the, um, you're wanting acceptance. That's a god. You're worrying about what you're going to wear. That's a god. What you're going to eat, what you're going to drink. He told the disciples, don't take anything with you. And if they won't receive you, shake the dust off your feet as a testimony against them and go. 
And don't, I just want to say this came to mind, don't go to a church where they pet you and say it's okay. Let the word convict you. Because if you don't, then you're not going to make it. He really is going to say on that day, if you don't do what he's telling you to do, away from me, I never knew you. If you fall asleep like the five virgins and you're late, he's really going to say, away from me, I never knew you. Oh, he said, I'm not acquainted with you. And what about the guy that buried his talent? Why do we bury our talent? Because we're worried about what we're going to eat, what we're going to drink, and what we're going to wear. So if you bury the talent he gave you to do in the kingdom of God to prepare for his return, then he said that throw that person out in the outer darkness where there's weeping and gnashing of teeth. Is he really going to do that? He wouldn't say it if he wasn't going to do it. I believe God wants me to tell you, God does want me to tell you, that he's grieving. Just like in the day of Noah. Did you know after the flood, after the waters flooded everything, God forgot about Noah for five months? And then when he thought of him, and then the waters receded another five months. And he's showing me how sad, how grieved he was. He was down, he was depressed at what he had to do. His people, he loved them. They wouldn't listen and they kept doing evil. He has to separate the good from the evil. He has to separate the good from the evil. And he has to do it again. And it's making him sad. More than sad. He's grieving. He's crying. He's wailing at what he has to do. And that's why he's saying, I'm frustrated. Wake up. Get ready for me. I'm coming. Do everything I tell you to do because it's for your good. I have a good plan for you. I know the plans I have for you, and they're for your good. Not for evil. But if you don't follow my plan, the enemy is going to overtake you. He's out to kill, still, and destroy. So why would God say, I don't know you? Because you're on, on the other side. Why would he say, away from me? Because you're on the other side. Why would he say, throw the good-for-nothing servant into the outer darkness where there's weeping and gnashing of teeth? Because you're on the other side. Either you're for him or against him. It's really not that hard. It's not hard to fall in love with him. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and all your soul and all your might. Is to take time to get to know him care about what he cares about. If you love someone and they're hurting, you hurt, right? You care about what they care about. So if God shows you he's hurting, you're going to start caring about what he cares about. And maybe you're thinking, well, no, he's not going to show you how he feels. Read the Bible. You haven't read the Bible if you don't think so. Read the Bible. He's telling you how he feels right there. And he said, who knows? the thoughts of God, but we do. We have the mind of Christ, and he shows us our thoughts and our feelings. So yeah, we know how he feels, and he's grieving, and he wants you to know that, and he wants you to know that he's patiently waiting, and it says that um, in verse 8, I want to read, it says, 
that with the Lord, one day is like a thousand years, and a thousand years is like a day. And then it says the Lord is not tardy, and he's not delay. He's not slow about what he promises, according to how some people conceive, according to their conception of slowness. But he's long-suffering, extraordinarily patient toward you, not desiring that one should perish, but all should turn to repentance. See, he's not late. We're late. He's patient. That's what he's saying. He's patiently waiting for us. That's how patient he is. One day is like a thousand years. And a thousand years is like a day. He's talking about his patience. He's patient and kind. I feel his presence right now. He is patient and kind and waiting for us. He loves us. Come to me, all who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. You don't have to work three jobs to make a living. He has something to do for you that's going to be exciting. He put a, he put a um, talent on the inside of you to do for him, to go about doing good, and then he's going to pay you for it. And you won't have gods before him if you do that, if you do what he's calling you to do. But if you're going after stuff, then they're your God. And you're way off track, and like we right here, you're fulfilling the lust of your flesh instead of believing he's coming and getting ready for his return. Believe every word in the Bible, not just some of it. You break one law, you broke all the law. I didn't end up finishing telling you about my friend. So I was telling her that Jesus was telling me to tell everyone that he's coming and we need to get ready. And to get on our knees, and this is what he told me, get on our knees and find out what we have to do to be ready. And she did that. And she called me two days later, and she was so excited. She said, I got on my knees, and I asked God what to do, and I didn't hear anything. But then every time I saw somebody I knew who didn't know Jesus, she said she had this overwhelming feeling, a physical feeling even, that she should tell them about Jesus. And so she's been doing that, and the joy she had. If you love me, you'll obey me, and my joy will be in you. From obeying, you know, that's another thing. You're just going to have happiness, peace, joy, and contentment when you do what he's telling you to do. Stop dragging your feet and do what he's telling you to do, and check yourself out. I love those whom I correct. Revelation 3.19. If he corrects you, it's because he loves you. And he's going to correct you every day. Get on your knees every day and say, correct me, Lord. Because he's leading you down that narrow path that goes, that leads to eternity, that leads to eternal life. And that's what you want. And if you don't let him correct you, you're going to miss it. And that's why he's long-suffering. And that's why he's waiting. When you ask Jesus to come and live on the inside of you, you're saying you believe what he, that he came here. And he gave up his life. He suffered for you so that you could have eternal life. He laid down his life and he conquered death so you don't have to die. So when you leave here, you're going to be with the Lord. He did that for you. He took stripes for your healing. He got on that cross for you. He went around doing good. He taught us of the enemy. All things that he did, if you believe that, 
and you want him to live on the inside of you and you're willing to heed his voice and commit to live in his kingdom and when you believe to do all the things he tells you to do, then, well, well, actually, that's what happened when you said that prayer. It wasn't just a ticket to heaven, but it was an invitation for a relationship and to commit to live in his kingdom and to go out and to do that greater work. And so I want to give you the opportunity today, if you want to do that, and if you have, if you have already asked Jesus to come live on the inside of you and teach you his way and, and correct you, but you hadn't been letting him, then I want you to just recommit when we say this prayer. And um, if you haven't before, then that's what happens. He comes lives on the inside of you. His spirit comes and lives on the inside of you and teaches you who he is, tells you things to come. Reminds you of the things that he said, and he's your comforter, your counselor, your standby, everything you need. He's there all the time. He's on the inside of you all the time. So if you want to say that prayer, I want to say that prayer with you. Revelation 3.20 says that he's already knocking at the door of your heart, and when you invite him in, he's going to come in, and he's going to dine with you. He's going to live on the inside of you and be with you all the time. So pray with me. Jesus, we thank you and praise you that you want to live on the inside of us and you want to be our God. You want to teach us, tell us things to come. And you want to help us to grow up and to be happy and to get rid of that sin, to get rid of those things that drag us down, that make us unhappy. We just thank you that you know the good that you have for us and it is good and that you want to give it to us. And And through saying this prayer, we're allowing you to come in and live on the inside of us and teach us how to receive all the good you have for us. And we commit to do your work. We commit to live in your kingdom and to do your work. Not to live for ourselves, but to live for love, to live for others, to find out what you care about, to love you with all our heart, all our soul, and all our minds, and find out what you care about and then do your work. So I feel the Lord saying he has a word for us. What is it, Lord? He's saying, I love my children, and it's not my will that any should perish. And if you come to me and just let me teach you and grow you up, you will see that I am good. You will taste of me and you will see that I am good and I'm everything that you ever needed. And I always will be. And I will help you. I know you can't do it on your own, but I can do it if you allow me to. Myself on you. Say, the Lord, but if you come to me, I will hold you. I will guide you. I will teach you. And I will lift you up to that higher place that I have for you. Thank you, God. You're so good to us. Thank you so much. Praise you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. He is so good to us and loves us so much. And take heed to this warning. Stop mocking him. He's coming. Believe it. Think about it. Meditate it. Get up every day. And ask how you can be ready, like my friend did. And he'll show you. It's not always just hearing him, but he's just going to show you. He's good. So in love with you. Thanks so much for listening today. Oh, if you said that prayer for the first time, I want to tell you, 
Read the Word of God every day. John 1, 1, He is His Word. He's His Word, and as you get to know His Word, you get to know Him. And then do His Word. Jesus said, if you love me, you'll obey me, and I'll show myself to you. And He's going to start manifesting Himself to you. He's so good. So in love with you. Thank you so much for listening to me. Thank you.